0: Who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Hey, hey! Oh, okay. okay. All right, it's Sting. Okay, it's ding! It's this is where the big boys play, huh?
1: Look at the adjective, play.
0: Put the butts in the seat. <laughs> Self high five. We've been hanging and banging, brother. You're next. Watch real monsters go at it live on WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome to Nitro Nights and Happy New Year. Well, Happy New 1996 if you're watching along with us, I guess, because today's episode of Nitro Nights is taking a look at the January 1st, 1996 episode of Monday Nitro. But it's not just I gazing back through possibly rose-tinted glasses at times, I must be honest, at this era of professional wrestling that I hold so dear. It is not just me. I am joined, as always, by the always brilliant, entertaining and insightful Wrestling Encyclopedia himself, Scottish Danny. How are we doing, bud? Happy New Year, sir. I'm doing really well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. It is quite warm. In this little room where I record today, it is quite a warm one in a, well, in quite sunny Gloucester this Saturday afternoon. So, yeah, quite muggy yeah. and sweaty up here, I think.
1: Yeah, same pretty much here in Kent.
0: Yeah, but I'd rather that than the alternative, mate. I'd rather that than rain or cold or whatever, so can't complain, can we? No, you can't, No, at this stage. There we go. This episode of Nitro Nights, then, as I said, is looking at the very first WCW TV show of 1996. We made it, Danny. We're in 1996 at last. Who thought we'd made it? We we made it, sir. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so the January 1st, 1996 episode of Monday Nitro coming to us from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, our ratings on the old TV spectrum for this monday night is a slight win for monday night raw 2.6 for them and nitro with a 2.5 in the television ratings overall so a slight win but not much in it at all and our show starts with us getting uh, the wonderful news that your hero and mine mr hulk hogan is no longer suspended because it is 1996 and as is the way it's his first day back so he gets a world title shot danny because that's how things work
1: i couldn't believe it when uh, that announcement was made but i can just picture hulk hogan the man just sitting there by his phone uh looking at the clock on the wall thinking oh it's 1201 1201 i'm gonna get a world title shot but yeah <laughs> th- this uh this surprised me very much being that he wasn't the world champion um five days before this
0: was he no, this is it. This is it, uh, and <laughs> it's quite a funny one. So obviously, this is the first Nitro off the back of Starcade, Starcade '95. So we've we've had a new World Champion crowned in the always awesome Ric Flair, and you know he he beat Randy Savage for the championship with a little bit of help from the Four Horsemen, which you know as a big wcw horseman jim crockett promotions fan i bloody loved and um, (laughs) here we're told that savage is more concerned with getting his hands on on anderson because anderson played a big role in him losing the championship the previous event rather than getting a rematch so hogan is going to face flair for the world title instead now here early 96 i'm a little bit hazy in my memory as to where the world title goes from person to person around this time so i'm not gonna lie when i heard that hogan was in the main event of this episode of nitro his first show back and it's a world title match after being suspended first of all i thought well that's bollocks that makes absolute zero sense to me but second i started thinking oh god does does hogan win the title back here and I started to really be quite concerned about that possibility, Danny. Did did you have any inkling about what was gonna happen at the end of the show? I, I had that that
1: exact same fear too, Sai. Um that uh yeah, it's it's definitely a fear because of the way Hulk Hogan works, you think automatically he's gonna win the world title, don't
0: you? Mm yes indeed but we will come to that at the end of nitro nights the, the main event we will come to that shortly so our opener is as i mentioned randy savage seeking revenge for his world title loss still sporting the bandages on his injured arm wrestling the enforcer Arn anderson and we get a full Arn anderson entrance music four fingers in the air whole shebang i say it every single week it seems but how cool is Arn anderson
1: is really cool, so um, And yeah, that definitely, I definitely marked out for that full entrance.
0: Yeah, without a date, mate, without a date. The match starts with, you know, a bit of brawling, then we end up with fighting outside. And then something that I've noticed about this episode of Nitro. And I mean, we'll, we'll come to it next week as well, because obviously for those at home, a little peek behind the curtain. Danny and I often record two episodes in a sitting. So we've actually watched both episodes of Nitro coming up. But we're starting with this one, obviously, because it's running really in date order. Something I noticed with this episode, and it goes into next as well. We get a lot of jabs here at the WWF, don't we? A lot. I mean, Mongo here refers literally straight off the bat. We're in the first couple of moments of the show. Mongo on commentary refers to the WWF as the Kitty Cat League.
1: Yeah, this doesn't age well. Um, there, uh, there was another one about the Royal Bowl that will be coming up later. But I mean, yeah, they they've been off of this for a few weeks, had not they?
0: Hmm. Yeah, and obviously the Monday Night Wars, we understand it. They were they, 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 they did take shots at each other and so on. And I suppose WCW and Bischoff were... I don't know, it's difficult to say because I was about to say, watching it back now, I get the impression that Nitro and WCW and, and Bischoff were quite childish and, and um, unnecessary with some of their jabs. But then on the other side of the coin, or the other channel, I guess... The WWF were running the, the you know the the huckster and Nacho man and scheme gene and billionaire Ted skits, which were probably worse than just dropping a few lines in the commentary. I guess have you seen those in the past, Danny? If you have, what are your thoughts on those?
1: Oh yes, that was um, I believe that was the first appearance of Vince Russo on WWF television. Um, he played one of the um, the uh, what do you call them?
0: Writers, yeah, I,
1: executives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. He played one of them um, and it was, yeah, they, I just found them very, very silly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but apparently ratings-wise, they didn't do too badly. People would actually watch them. So that's a bit of an odd one for me, but there we go. There we go. We, we're sort of digressing a touch again. Um, This match here, Savage versus Arn Anderson, these are two proper pro wrestlers doing, in my mind, proper pro wrestling. It, it's a good match there's a few moments that are a bit wobbly but we'll come to that in a moment but overall i enjoyed this because again i'm a huge iron fan as i keep mentioning virtually every single week and we see all the the, the high spots we see Iron working the arm and the commentators discussing how methodical anderson can be and how he knows so many different holds and different ways of hurting you and at one stage i think it was bobby heenan said "Iron anderson is so proficient at at what he's doing he could break every bone in a chicken wing without splitting the skin what a line that was i thought that was fantastic that
1: was incredible um yeah i definitely popped for that
0: i mean there was a moment here that i wasn't too fond of and that's where anderson is in the ring he's taken a bit of a shot to the head and he's staggering around and he turns his back on randy savage long enough for savage to climb the ropes and then hit the double axe handle that that was a bit forced for me. That was a little bit like, okay, well, that, that took me out of the moment there. That wasn't quite believable. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm sort of grasping at straws here. I'm complaining about little tiny things because overall, as I said, this match I really enjoyed.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was a great way to start 1996. I mean, as you said, it's just two great pro wrestlers doing pro wrestling things. Um, yeah, it was a good way to get uh, fans
0: to tune in as well. mm. We get an issue here as well with a referee where Anderson is applying an armbar and he's close enough to the ropes for him to use the ropes to aid him in a proper heel way, I guess, behind the referee's back. But also being that close to the ropes means that, you know, at one point, Randy Savage's backside is against the bottom rope. Another stage, his legs are under the bottom rope. And I'm thinking, well, the referee should just break the hold shortly because that's the rules. And again, it's just one of those moments that made it I I suppose a little bit tatty, a little bit rough around the edges, maybe.
1: Yeah, I can see that as well. Um, That's the only one complaint I had about this match was the ref bump. Um, uh, Anything else I really enjoyed?
0: Yeah, I mean, Anderson hits his fantastic DDT at one point, and it it is just one of the best. I love Anderson's DDT. Then we do get a ref bump, you're right, Danny. And the the, the brass knucks come out again that were used last night at Starcade. But Anderson kind of drops them and Savage gets hold of them. Savage punches Arn. He drops like a sack of crap. And that's how Randy Savage wins the match. So, I mean, it's interesting seeing the tables get turned and the heel, I suppose, getting a taste of his own medicine. But it's also quite funny with the, the whole Savage viewpoint in that Savage has had to use an outside item and an illegal weapon, so to speak to get his revenge on losing the world title because the horseman used, uh, an outside weapon to cost him the world championship. It's kind of a, a in a way it felt like a bit of a, sh- a shallow victory. It wasn't a proper, uh, a sort of proper revenge, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see your point with that. Um, what I found really interesting was um, when Brian Pillman and Chris Benoit came out and started screaming at the referee. It brought me back to that story about Chris Benoit screaming at the Miz years later after this. And how scary must that have been to have an irate Chris Benoit screaming in your face?
0: Well, yeah, there is that. There is that. But uh, I mean, this obviously leads to something slightly later in the show, which is a really interesting almost slow burn story we're getting at the moment with the horseman. But I mean, it it basically that that moment uh, arrives at the end of our next match. So we'll have a look at what we have next. And that is another match that I really enjoyed again. And I suppose if you're into wrestling and I mean like, you know, wrestling, wrestling, proper wrestlers doing wrestling moves as opposed to flipping and flying around, which again can be very entertaining. But if you're into proper wrestling, if you watch a match between William Regal and Chris Benoit, You're pretty much guaranteed to get some enjoyment out of it on some level, Danny, aren't you?
1: Big time. Um, That's something that me and Chris Bellis are looking at in the future One Man's Me episode. We're going to look at these these, um, two having a lot of matches that they had. And uh, this match
0: definitely didn't disappoint. Mm, no, it was excellent. It was excellent. I mean, there was so much good in it and so many great you know, sort of move for move and counter spots and so on that if I was to sit here and, and list them all off and run through the match in, in the order, we'd be here till this time tomorrow. And I know our, our listeners probably don't want to hear me do that because I think it's quite a monotonous way of explaining a match anyway. But if you are, if you check out one wrestling match this week, I recommend you go and look at Regal versus Benoit from the, the January 1st episode of Monday Nitro 1996 it's basically a mat clinic uh, we do eventually in the match however get a few higher spots i suppose benoit misses his top rope headbutt which always looks quite spectacular to me when he when he goes leaps off the top rope with his arms outstretched and he also misses a plancher to the outside but then we get a tombstone attempt by regal which benoit counters and that tombstone was fantastic because if you watch regal his arms are flailing around trying to fight it Right until the last second, when he then kept Benwell's legs to sort of protect himself. Absolutely brilliant. But then we yeah. have a really strange finish. And that's the one snag I had with this match, the really odd finish. Do you want to talk us through that one, Danny?
1: Yeah, it was, it was odd to me as well. I mean, Chris Spenwell goes for a dive outside, basically lands on the floor on himself. And then Regal just rolls him in and then gets the clean one, two, three. It was a bit uh, odd, wasn't it? It was like, I thought Willie Riggle would have had to cheat to win in this.
0: Well, I mean, to be fair, he he did have a handful of tights as well, but yeah, it it was a thing of, I was just sat there expecting him to kick out because it seemed like something of nothing. I mean, if you look at it realistically, Ben Wiles ran at full speed, dived through the ropes, hit his head on the concrete. That should, in theory, be enough to knock a guy out long enough for you to pin them, of course. But in wrestling terms, in the wrestling world... We see that kind of spot quite often, especially in today's product, in the the current product we're watching at the moment. So I was just sat there expecting the kick out when it didn't happen. I was literally sat on my sofa like, "Oh, okay, well that was really odd," and it kind of completely threw me. Yeah, I could see that because these days that wouldn't even get a one count, would it? No, probably not. Probably not. There we go. Um, After the match, Mean Gene enters the ring, and he's there. He's, He's joined basically with the Four Horsemen minus Ric Flair. And Pillman is running down Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit because they have both lost their matches this week. Arn explains our job as a horseman, and Arn is the one to know this because he's always been there. He's trying to explain to Pillman, our job is to protect that world title at all costs. And he mentions about Pillman starting fires all over the place and that Arn has to keep going around and putting these fires out, like with Orndorff and so on. And he says, if there's no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, don't go chasing it. And again, Anderson here is just absolutely brilliant. Believable to the point. Everything he says makes sense. But you've kind of got that, I suppose, little bubbling away under the surface here of Pillman thinking that the horseman shouldn't be losing matches. Whereas Anderson is saying, look at the bigger picture here. It's about the world title and the money and almost the old school horseman mindset of Art Anderson. And then the newcomers maybe having a slightly different viewpoint to where the horseman should be heading. What, what, how do you how do you take this at the moment, then, Danny, watching this for, for the first time, watching this through fresh eyes? How are you feeling about the horseman as a whole at this particular time?
1: I'm loving it at the moment. Um, you've got a uh, long term uh, telling happening here. But how great did that leather uh, change coat look on um, Brian Pillman's side?
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> that mop of mad curly hair long trench coat yeah really good really good I it, think was the horsemen... very, it was it was very 1996 wasn't it oh without a date without a date i think the horsemen, they've always looked cool you know i mean iron obviously he's got a bit of a he's he's a bit you know gnarly in the face a bit of a bold spot going on and stuff as well but even then iron just wearing a t-shirt looks Cool, because he looks no nonsense and he looks believable. Flair's always in the suits and then the the gangs and so on. And then we have Benoit, who almost in a way looks like a a a mini Anderson, I suppose, in in the same t shirt to sat there ready just to go to work and wrestle and so on. And then Pillman here just looks looks great as well in the trench coat and so on. In early incarnations, of course, we had the suits. Uh, with the other horsemen and the likes of Sting, Luger, Wyndham, Tuddy, whoever was in the horsemen, they always just looked fantastic. And it really lent into the aura of this group, I feel.
1: Yeah, it really helps uh, the, with the image.
0: Yeah, exactly, mate. Exactly. This net-breaking speed that we have here on this episode of Nitro, because it is an incredibly fast-paced episode, they're fitting as much as they can in into their hour slot here, continues with... Uh, a tag match with two of the biggest names in wrestling at the time, Sting and Luger in their sort of odd couple, you know, are they friends? Are they enemies? Who's going to turn on who kind of storyline going on, which I'm finding really intriguing in a tag match. And they are facing the team brought to us by Colonel Robert Parker of the super assassins. Now, again, we we've seen Arn, and we've seen Savage. We've then seen Benoit and Regal the other horseman. We get the main event of Flair and Hogan. And here we've got Sting and Luger. This is one stacked card, isn't it? It really is. It's like just so many wrestlers have already
1: appeared and so many more would appear.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think this tag match kind of, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit when I look back at the episode as a whole. Because you do have the, the, the sort of brilliant singles opener with two huge names. And then the main event is obviously as big as it is. I think this tag match here with, with, you know, the guy who is synonymous with WCW in Sting maybe gets a little bit lost in the shuffle potentially. What, what do you think when you look at the episode overall?
1: Yeah, I could definitely see that point. Um, th- this is the first of the time we're seeing the uh, Super assessors, isn't it, sir?
0: Yes, yes, it is. And I, I suppose, I mean, to me, it's kind of like uh, in this snippet here, it's kind of like how... The show is being, I suppose, divided up and we get it again in the main event as well with regards to we're going into 96 and we're seeing things develop that we know are going to turn into great storylines, great characters. And we can kind of see where the company is already starting to shape itself and take form and so on. Months before the NWO and and the crow sting and all that, we're getting these cool storylines and cool performers and the, the fresh faces coming in. But then we get things like the super assassins who are coming to the ring in masks with super assassins written down their trunks, uh, tights, sorry. They've got these weird sort of tops on with a, a really odd kind of Superman symbol almost on the front. And they're with Robert Parker as well. It just screams 1985 to me. It just seems out of date in the same way the Dungeon of Doom sometimes seems very out of date. These kind of feel the same. Did, what did you think at first glance, looking at the Super Assassin's tag team here?
1: I thought that this was definitely going to be a squash, but I was actually pleasantly surprised because they got a lot of offense in, didn't they, Si?
0: Yeah, they did. I mean, are you aware who the Super Assassin's were? No, I actually forgot to look them up. Um, who are they? Okay, it's the powers of pain. It's the barbarian and the warlord from the WWF. Oh, wow. And obviously the- <sighs> The Barbarian's been knocking around in WCW for a bit as well. Um, Was he part of the Dungeon of Doom? I'm not sure. He probably was. was. Everyone (laughs) bloody was at one stage. (laughs) (laughs) I think you and me were part of the Dungeon of Doom at one point. Um, (laughs) I suppose because it's a heel tag team versus a babyface tag team when they're given a few minutes, you do get the heel team getting some offense in because they have to beat up the one baby face so he can get get the hot tag and get the crowd going which which happens the super assassin's work over sting for a duration of the match luger tags in but we get the the, the brilliant old school heel tag team aspect of when luger tags in the refs distracted by the other super assassin so he doesn't see it so has to send luger back outside eventually luger does tag in and applies the rack to one of the super assassins to a huge reaction from the crowd again sting then somehow it miraculously recovers from the beating he's took over the last five minutes in an instant, runs in the ring, applies the Scorpion Deathlock to the other Super Assassin, and we get the submission victory for the baby faces. So, I mean, overall, uh, to me, a good TV match. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think we've, we've glossed over the beginning of this where uh, Craig Pittman uh, asks Mongo to be his um, manager and gets turned down. And that kind of took it out, took me out of the beginning of this match. But when it came back from the split screen, um, really good TV match, as you said. Really good.
0: Oh, I'm so glad you pulled me up on that because I've, I've even got oh, a note about that. I've got a note about that in front of me, but I completely forgot about it. So I'm really glad you pointed that out. Yeah, the first few minutes of the match... Obviously, the screen is split, so we get the the same amount of screen for the wrestling as we do Pittman talking to the commentary team. But my eyes couldn't watch the wrestling. It was drawn to Pittman and what was going on over there. So I kind of didn't know anything that happened in those first couple of minutes because we were looking at Pittman asking, asking Mongo to be his manager. What's that all
1: about? I think he'd run out of people to ask because uh, he'd asked um, Jimmy Hart, Bobby Healan, Rob Parker, God knows who else, and that's why he's going to the bottom of the barrel here.
0: Yeah, fair point, mate. Fair point. (laughs) Uh, Straight after this, we have Mean Gene on the the ramp, and I assumed that we were going to get an interview with Sting and Luger because of what happened at Starcade and the falling out, or sort of falling out there, but we don't. We get told that Mean Gene is waiting for Jimmy Hart and he comes out with the giant and Jimmy Hart just talks about, he wants to wrestle anyone who goes to the top. So you'll see a lot of me. Well, some weeks I'll be with the giant other weeks. I'll be with the dungeon team. Other weeks I'll be with Ric Flair. So I'm going to be around a lot. Oh, bloody goody. What a treat. I knew this would boil your piss. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. We then get an advert for Clash of Champions, which is going to air on Tuesday, January the twenty third, nineteen ninety six. Uh, the first Clash event we've come across in our watchback. Uh, quite excited about this, Danny, because they're they, they're really plugging the hell out of this show, and making yeah. references to the War Rumble and how much the War Rumble is going to cost, and saying you can get the Clash event for nothing.
1: Yeah, this is going to be my first. Um... Clash of the Champions as well. I've never seen one.
0: Um, are they like Saturday night's main event for the WWF? Yeah, similar. Similar. Uh, we kind of had... I mean, Clash events, they were very much like that, yes. They, they were sort of a, a two-hour show. Back in the back in their prime in the 80s and so on, they were a two-hour show that was three to broadcast, quite often on a Saturday night. I think sometimes they were out on a Wednesday as well. And they would be treated almost like mini pay-per-views and you would tend to find that titles would change hands on these events sometimes but it'd be quite hit and miss as to what you got some clash events would be headlined by well for example in 1989 one clash event was headlined by rick flair rick steamboat as part of their big trilogy so that's a big big deal and then you'd get other clash events that'd be highlight you know headlined by I don't know, Steve Austin versus maybe a Bobby Eaton for the television title or something like that. So it'd be very you know, dependent upon when you're getting it, when you're watching it, and so on. They always did pretty good numbers, as far as I remember, television-wise. But you, And also, sometimes the Clash event would be almost like a stepping stone to the next pay-per-view, going back pre-96, shall we say. So that was kind of always in the back of my mind, watching them as well. But there are some fantastic matches to be found on old clashes. Absolutely fantastic! I mean, there's some, there's some 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 classics with Rick Rude. He faces off against Steamboat, and uh, he also see he also faces Dustin Rhodes, I think, on a Clash event from the early nineties. There's an excellent Clash main event with the Hollywood Blondes of Steve Austin and Brian Pillman, and they're facing Arn and Flair in a tag match, and it's best two out of three fours. That's very good. There's some real hidden gems on these Clash events that don't get, I suppose, the spotlight shone on them in the same way that maybe actual pay-per-views do so i'm quite intrigued to see where we go for this clash i think
1: me too um especially since we've watched all the televisions um we all know all the storylines so i'm looking forward to um this clash of
0: champions on the 23rd yes exactly mate exactly yeah we'll cover that as an episode of nitro nights of course Hello, everyone. My name is Tyler Peters, and let me tell you about my blog titled ClassicReviews.com. Classic Reviews discusses everything from pro wrestling to films, music, original concepts, and more. The blog recently spotlighted WWE superstar Becky Lynch and the Beach Boys. You can find Classic Reviews at www.ToddlersTakePodcast.wordpress.com and follow me, at Dustin Tyler 86 on Twitter. I hope to see you all over there very soon. And that web address, once again, is Uh, www.toddlerstakepodcast.wordpress.com. That's it then, I suppose, for this show up to the main event. We've just, you know, again, as the show itself felt like... We've flown through it because there's so much good to talk about. And it's just wrestling, it seems, this week as well. There's not a lot of mean gene. There's not a lot of interviews left, right and center. There's not a lot of cutting to Bischoff, Mongo and Heenan. I mean, it does happen. Don't get me wrong. All of these things do happen. But they tend to be a lot more thin on the ground for this episode, as opposed to what seems like every five minutes, Danny. Do Do you know what I'm getting at?
1: yeah it flows a lot better doesn't it um and we had i think the longest thing we had in in terms of a talking segment was the four horsemen which was excellent as well
0: yeah definitely i mean i don't care how long a talking segment is with ron anderson that guy could talk all day i'd watch it so (laughs) but there we go so then on three television given away for nothing coming back from a suspension the immortal hulk hogan going up against potentially the greatest wrestler of all time rick flair for the world heavyweight championship first question for you danny did you see the world title at all
1: no um rick flair had uh, his robe
0: on i just assumed it was underneath his robe Mm. i assume that too but we never got to see it now i don't know if it was there but we never saw the world championship which is very strange what also felt a little bit odd considering especially where we're in Georgia, Hogan got a pretty good reaction.
1: I found that odd as well. Um, yeah, I was expecting booze uh, all the way for the holster, but I guess that suspension uh, angle worked.
0: Well, yeah, absence makes the heart grow fonder, I guess, but we will see how long that lasts. And Ric Flair, again, the complaint I had pr- on a previous Flair match we watched, may have been Starcade, I think, I'm not sure. Flair comes out again and his boots, knee pads, and trunks don't match. So, come on, Rick. His boots and knee pads match Hogan.
1: That's what I wrote down in my notes as well. It's like they were tag team partners here, but <laughs> except Flair had the black um, uh, trunks on. But yeah, they matched. They were the exact same color as Hulk. It's like he lost his. his. Um, actually, that could be a good. Uh, that could be actually uh, might have happened. Um, he lost his bag and he's just borrowed a. a um, a, t- a tacky pair of um, black trunks and Hulk Hogan's boots.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I like the idea of that. But like, like when you went to school and you forgot your PE kit and you had to rummage around the lost property to try and find something to wear. Or whatever. That's what Flair's had to do here. It, yeah. maybe, maybe he's got his boots in his knee pads, but he ain't got no trunks. So he's rummaging around trying to find a pair of yellow trunks to match his kit. He can't. He's got to go to a lost property and just finds a manky old pair of black tights he's got to chuck on from like, I don't know blackjack mulligan wore them in 1983 or something and left them behind or something like that maybe <laughs> no yeah that's a that's a good point though, but yeah it's the
1: exact same attire he was wearing at starcade five days previous to this
0: mm, yeah there we go i mean this match is it is what it is i think with with rick flair i think flair's capable of doing different stuff in a wrestling match. He's There is obviously the, the sort of stigma attached to Ric Flair that a lot of his matches are the same. And I can appreciate that as a big Flair fan, I watch Flair matches and you do get a lot of the same spots. However, if you watch a lot of Flair's back catalog extensively, you'll understand that that's not always the case. He has a lot more to him than what people sometimes, uh, sometimes assume. I think Hogan, on the other hand, especially when he's in the red and yellow, he's the all American Hulk Hogan very much a set program of how things work, whether it's a tag or a singles, uh, exactly how the process is going to be lots of selling. And then all of a sudden no selling at the wrong time for me. And then we get the whole hulking up and, you know, big boot bootleg. Everyone's aware of what I'm, what I'm running through. Really this match here, I feel was very much normal Hogan and flare shtick. It was really a Hogan versus flare match paint by numbers i guess it was kind of exactly what you would expect however i still pretty i still enjoyed it
1: yeah it was very enjoyable um you, like you said we just got both of them kind of doing their what they usually what they're known for doing um i yeah i liked it all, overall it, it felt like a main event
0: yes and what i liked as well is on commentary the i think it was bischoff potentially said this would be a pay-per-view main event all over the world and we're giving it to you on three television. And I like the fact they're pointing that out because if they didn't, I'd be thinking, you mugs writing this on pay-per-view. But the fact that they're pointing it out and explaining we're giving you everything from WCW, everything from Turner in January costs you nothing. You've got the clash event. And he's trying to sell the Clash like it's going to be as big as a pay-per-view. But he said, you've got the Clash event, and then all the Nitros and so on. On television, you have not got to pay for. Look at what we're doing for you, the fans, because you have made us number one. Then they get to the dig in about the WWF, saying that their price of their pay-per-views has gone up. The price for the Raw Rumble is gone, has gone up. And Raw isn't always live. It's most of the time pre-taped and all this sort of stuff. And they're trying to basically say, look at us. We're fantastic. The WWF is a state. It is, is the whole angle of the commentary over the next week or so, I think. I mean, I can understand where they're coming from. And to be fair, they make a few jibes and, and a few name-calling moments and so on. But when Bischoff is talking like that, you can't really disagree with anything he says. He's, he is just kind of telling the truth.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's desperate to be number one, and you can see that. And I mean, he's pretty much there, isn't he?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, if we have a look at the uh, the WWF in 96, we're heading towards the Royal Rumble. Uh, I'm doing all this literally from memory, by the way. I've got, I, I weren't thinking that we were going to discuss this when we started recording. So if I give any false information or name any wrestlers and I'm not accurate, I apologize in advance. I'm doing this literally off the top of my head. But we're heading towards the 96 Royal Rumble, which Shawn Michaels would win. Diesel has... Effectively, kind of turned heel at this stage. And then I think Bret Hart is the world champion at this point as well. He beat Diesel at the Survivor Series in '95, I think. So we've got a Bret Hart as world champion, a babyface Shawn Michaels about to win the Royal Rumble and go to WrestleMania 12 to face off with Bret Hart. And then Diesel kind of knocking around in this kind of weird getting cheers, but he's supposed to be a heel role. Now uh, You take away those characters and obviously Razor is knocking around in the mid card with the OC title as well. You take away those characters. Everybody else running around on the other channel is, is a fucking plumber or a, uh, they play hockey or they're a fucking dentist or, you know, you've got viscera who was Mabel, sorry, running around trying to be some kind of crazy gold dungareed rapper of some description. And then you look at WCW and you've got Benoit versus Regal. You've got Eddie Guerrero flying about all over the place. You've got the horseman looking just, just brilliant at this particular moment. I can really understand where Bischoff is coming from in saying, watch our product. Because that, to me, it, it's night and day. To me, WCW uh, in January of 96, if you make a direct comparison, not knowing where it's going, if you make a direct comparison between Nitro and WCW in 1996 to the WWF product in 1996. This is far and away the vast, the, the, the better product to me, Danny. What are your thoughts? Because obviously you've seen a great deal of this doing effectively a very similar watchback form to us here on Nitro Nights on a change in attitude, looking at the WWF side. So what are your thoughts on the WWF product in early 96?
1: I would say um, there's a saying that says uh, "Doves W forced WWF to get better by forcing their hand with competition um i think that's more evident in what you said um side because uh yeah it's like they looked at those and said we need to start getting more realistic so they had um around wrestlemania i believe they had um goldust and razor ramon in a storyline that had a lot of realism to it with razor getting a new kind of like um a like a sort of an edge to him, and pardon the pun, aware like he's coming out in jeans and a leather jacket and is more realistic. So, yeah, um, I can see how uh, WWF ch- were definitely going to change, um, after WrestleMania. Uh, and then obviously we'd have Stone Cold Steve Austin as well, um, coming in that June. So, yeah, mm,
0: okay. I mean, looking at January, then obviously we're only at the start of January, but take it as as a snapshot right now what we've seen on, on this Nitro, what we've just seen on Starcade, in comparison to what you've seen with a change in attitude for January 96 and then potentially the War Rumble of 96. because It wasn't a great rumble, if I remember correctly. I mean, I marked out, you know, I, I'm sat here right now recording with Sean Michaels t-shirt on, so I loved seeing Sean win the rumble, but it wasn't a great event. As a direct comparison, then, at this exact moment in time, January 1996, Where do you rate the two companies in comparison, having watched everything that these companies have to offer around this time?
1: I'm going with DovesW because of the realism um, factor of it and uh, the fact that it just never stops when you turn on a Nitro, Um, especially the last, I'd say the last four Nitros we've watched previous to this have just been
0: just absolute bangers. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a really good point about the never stopping thing. This Nitro in particular is a really good example. There's so much on the show, so many big names, but it, it flew by because the show's only what 45, 50 minutes long, so 51 minutes or whatever it was anyway. But so much happens. And at the end of it, I'm like, whoa, okay. I almost had to take a breath because I've watched this really intense hour of television and it's so much wrestling as well, really good wrestling. And then and even, the, even the stuff that isn't as good with Hogan kind of makes you think I want to see what happens next week to develop the storyline more. I think they're ticking a great deal of boxes here.
1: Yeah, they really are and they give you a reason to watch um the next night every end of the episode which is just um really good as well.
0: Yeah, it's it's good television, isn't it? It's a it's, a, it's a good way of doing television because you want people to come back next week, I guess. So yeah. Yeah, really interesting. We'll have to do that every now and again with regards to to uh, a change in attitude and the the WWF watchback so on. Just, Just check in and see what's going on on the other channel and see what you're thinking in comparison of the two products. I'll be really interested in sort of touching base on that a lot more often, I think, Danny.
1: Yeah, I look forward to that.
0: Yeah, excellent stuff. Anyway, back in Georgia in 96, we have a very hot ride. Flair, as we said, does his Flair stuff and works the knee. Eventually gets a figure four on Hogan. Jimmy Hart turns up and starts yelling for Rick to, to you know, um, well, I suppose, management and encouragement, I guess. Um, heart turning up distracts Hogan, but then we have a really cool delayed vertical suplex by Flair, almost like how the bulldog used to sort of hold his opponent up in the position for ages. It was quite a sight seeing Rick Flair in 1996 holding a massive Hulk Hogan above his head like that for as long as he did. Um, but... Of course, we get Hogan shaking and quivering and hulking up and pointing the finger and the big boot and then the leg drop and this, oh my God, here we go again. But here comes Arne to save the day. <laughs> and Arn runs in. Basically, he's, he's getting the brass knucks ready again. But we end up with Hogan basically destroying the whole of the four horsemen. We have so many people running in to the match as well. I mean, who's there, Danny? I think the giant shows up. Yep, the
1: Giant, the Zodiac, the Tusk, masker, Um And I just want to point this out. I mean, it's going to be on my... But um, the, the moment when um, the Four Horsemen were begging for... It looked like they were begging for their life really ruined um, this match for me, to be honest with you. I mean, it was a good match. But, uh, well, if you count the aftermath of it, that oof, I, that just uh. didn't age well.
0: It's almost like... In the last couple of weeks, the horsemen have gained a bit of momentum. So Hogan has come back and thought, Nope, not having that nipping that in the bed right now, it's almost like it's almost like that could be someone's train of thought, Danny, I reckon. It could be, it could be,
1: but like what frustrated me most about it was all four of them were on their knees and they had fear in their eyes and there's just Hulk Hogan with a pair of brass knuckles or whatever that was on his um, hand and it was like four grown men just sat there just almost crying, almost in tears, like please don't hit us, please don't hit us Mm. and it just took me out of it.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. I I suppose there's two ways of looking at it for me. Uh, well, first of all, you said four grown men. It's not just four grown men, it's it's the four horsemen, the most devious, backstabbing, uh, uh, violent at times group in professional wrestling, all cowering from the Mighty Orange one. That didn't sit right with me at all. I hated that. But there's two ways of looking at it for me. One, on the night, it got a big pop the fans in attendance loved this. Now, Flair kept his world championship because of the big schmozzy finish at the end. So we didn't see Flair lose the world title. I say we didn't see Flair lose the world title. We didn't see the world title at all, but we, (laughs) we didn't see Flair lose the world title, which is a good thing for me. Hogan gets the big crowd pop as the fan favorite standing over the villains, I suppose. And they're all being terrified of him and so on. On the night, it gets a reaction. So those people go home happy in the long run. I'm not sure it is a good tool to use because, again, the horsemen, this vicious pack of attack dogs, this, this group of hounds that, you know, gang up on the opposition and so on, they're made to look quite weak here. After all the good work we've had earlier in this show and, again, at Starcade, that one moment made me think, oh, okay, that's kind of not the wind out of their sails a little bit, potentially.
1: Yeah, I could see that as well. Hmm.
0: Yes. Okay. I mean, a- after the match, we have an interview Randy Savage has come down as well. We have Savage and Hogan with Mean Gene, basically r- ranting and raving and doing their usual Savage Hogan shtick of one of them has to get the last word in, but then the other one wants to get the last word in and the interview goes on for about an hour longer than it needs to. Someone literally needs to just cue them to say, both of you shut up now, you know, cause it seems like they're adamant that they have to say the last thing. We end up with a challenge for next week savage and hogan wants to face flair and anderson in the main event in a tag match which i'm, I'm quite intrigued by i think that could be that could be some good watching that, you know classic heels versus the two potentially two of the three biggest baby faces in the company at this point that that could make for a good main event danny
1: yeah it really is an exciting um, announcement because anytime Arn anderson's announced for a main event i'm
0: always happy and i know you are so si. yes <laughs> yes i am <laughs> Ah, so then, a lightning quick Nitro. Well, it felt lightning quick. It wasn't. It was the same length as most weeks, but it felt lightning quick because there's so much that went on. I suppose we better give our ratings ourselves, Danny. So our plus points, our negatives, our pros and our cons, our woos and our oh brothers, my friend.
1: Woo! Brother, 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 brothers, brother. Woo!
0: Brother. First or second this week, Danny? I'll go first this week, sir. Okay. uh, Something positive or something negative? Where are we going? Uh we're going with Woo this week. Okay.
1: So my woo this week is Chris Benoit versus William Regal. Well, Steve Lord Stephen Regal. Um that was just if you if you um don't count the finish, um it was an excellent match and I really enjoyed it. Um what's yours, uh? Sir?
0: My woo this week is quite simply, and as for a few moments I could pick out a name, but I've literally got written in front of me here, woo, arn being arn. In, in his match, in his interviews, in the way he cut Pillman off with what Pillman was, act, was behaving and acting and basically saying to Pillman, no, this is the way the horsemen operate. You listen to me. Yeah, Arn being Arn. Just Arn Anderson is an absolute diamond here. He's just fantastic. What about something of a slightly less favorable stature? Your old brother, my friend. Oh,
1: it definitely has to be the Four Horsemen cowering um, to Hulk Hogan because as as we were talking about just there, I kind of thought, yeah, I see your point about um, it got a big pop, but I think this could have been saved to after the cameras switched off and then have it for the live audience. So when they go home, I mean, because I mean, to me, the Four Horsemen had their balls cut off right here. I mean, hopefully they can come back next week, but we shall see. Sir, um, what's
0: your oh uh, brother of the week? Exactly the same. My oh brother is Hogan wiping out the four horsemen, and the horseman then carrying to Hogan. It's it's not a good look, and I don't. I think it's. I think it's somebody's ego running wild, so to speak. Pardon the pun. I think it's somebody who. Obviously, Bischoff is a Hogan guy, of course he is, but I don't think they're looking at the bigger picture here. I think they're looking at the immediate reaction as opposed to the bigger picture. And the way you worded that, the Horsemen effectively had their balls cut off right in front of us. That is such an apt and perfect way of explaining exactly what we saw here. It really did uh, weaken the horseman at that moment for me. But there we go. There we go. It wouldn't be an episode of WCW Nitro if we didn't have a little, at least a little gripe about the Great orange one. So then, Danny, hit, miss, or middling? What are we thinking this week? I'm going hit with this week. Um, so how about you? Yes, exactly the same. So many great matches, great episode of Nitro. Even the Hogan crap couldn't ruin this for me. Hit, 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 mate. Great episode. So there we go. That concludes this first episode of 1996 WCW for us all here on Nitro Nights. Plenty of exciting things to come. Our first Clash of the Champions. Uh, a couple of people turning up from Elsewhere, shall we say, title changes galore, pay-per-views, etc., etc. Really looking forward to this next twelve months of WCW television. Danny, before we depart, my friend, do you want to let everybody know whereabouts they can find you, all the other shows you're involved in, uh, and all that good stuff, my friend?
1: Yep, you can find me on Twitter at ScottishStruggle. You can hear me on A Change in Attitude. You can hear me on My Man's Meets, and you can hear me here next
0: week where we'll be talking about Nitro again, Sai. We will indeed, mate. We've a pretty much a fantastic-looking main event. We will indeed. You can find me on Twitter, at sjpwords and on Facebook, there is a group there, SJP, all the shows and info. And from those two points of contact, you get all the links to the various shows I'm involved in. If wrestling is your thing, which I imagine it would be if you're listening to us right now. Avoids, that'd be a bit confusing, wouldn't it? Chain Wrestling is live every Monday night via the Radio Techers, YouTube and Twitch channels, and comes out as a podcast version later in the week. If you miss the live on a Monday. If science fiction, time travel, geekiness is more your bag, I mean it's definitely mine. I cover two classic old school science fiction time travel programs. I look at the show Quantum Leap with our good friend Mr. Benny Mac on The Waiting Room out every Friday, looking back on that one episode at a time. And I also look at Doctor Who story by story, jumping around from classic Who to new Who and back again with our good friend Mr. Dan Griffin. But as I said, uh, at SJP Words on Twitter or SJP all the shows and info on facebook to find links to any of my content but most importantly you can find this show on twitter and facebook at nitro underscore nights at nitro underscore nights on both of those formats there i want to give a big special thank you to radio techers who carry this show and also our second home our new home visionaries global media putting us out on their SoundCloud and their their network as well. Always grateful to have these platforms putting our shows out for people to listen to. And as a, as a secondary, thank you, I guess many people tweeting the show, DMing the show, talking about WCW from, you know, what we on best part of 30 years ago, I guess it's very humbling knowing that we have that many people listening to what we're doing, that many people enjoying what we're doing. And of course that many people watching along with us, that blows my mind that people are taking the time to watch dungeon of doom matches just so they can go and listen to our you know they they sat through the zodiac wrestle so they can come and listen to our podcast afterwards so from me personally a huge thank you to anyone who is watching along and getting involved with us danny
1: yeah same here um it just it's it's mind-blowing isn't it just that who would want to sit through the zodiac matches <laughs>
0: thank you all <laughs> yes exactly apart from the zodiac not thank you at all Um, (laughs) Danny it's been a blast mate I'm looking forward to next week already same here see you next week excellent stuff and to everyone else as always thank you for listening